Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's around the house. Oh, thank you. Yeah, leather is leather's a fun medium. It's uh, strangely enough the first time that I ever used a sewing machine ever was to make a leather jacket. Oh, let's start out with something easy. You know, let's let's not make a shirt or <laughs> anything like that or like a little pouch. You know? No straight to leather work, like straight into recreating a jacket that I saw in a movie kind of thing. It never made a pattern, had never worked with leather, had never done any of this, but yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's make that happen, because why not? When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G. Thanks for joining us today. This is your source for everything project home improvement interior design whatever else we've got one of my new buddies here in the studio you might have seen him all over social media if you see human made out there we've got you in the studio here coming live Uh from calgary welcome to around the house buddy Thanks, Eric. Nice to be here. Um, I mean, we all make poor life choices, and <laughs> I mean, it'll be it'll be okay. Your time to shine on on that decision is now here, and, and it's okay. We'll get through this together. We will. We will. So, <laughs> well, I met you at the Keen Utility event, and we had a lot of fun doing that. And then I started to find out more about what you've been doing out there. And dude, I just yeah. keep seeing all the different stuff. You are one of the big builder makers out there where I'm seeing you build anything from bookcases to woodwork to furniture. You are all over the place. I love it. Oh, oh thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a wild ride and it's been a short wild ride because <laughs> um, I didn't start doing all of this stuff really full time until, uh, until January of this year. Wow. So... Before that, I was like a, a corporate person, an IT guy, and all of those horrible, horrible things. <laughs> and uh, yeah, now I, I get to spend my days making hidden bookcases and long boards and game tables that have way too much engineering involved in them. <laughs> and uh, and just fun, fun stuff like working Nintendo controllers yeah. that are coffee table sized because that's fun. Dude, I saw that and I'm like, okay, this is a coffee table that works like a controller how did you come up with this because this we're let's dive into this one because this is one of those things yeah. that i just shook my head and went all right man there's the it and the woodworking all coming in together at once yeah so this one um i have to say i think that this was my favorite project that i've ever made nice. by far um and it's about 10 years old surprisingly enough um wow so a little bit of a story on this one. Uh, one of my one of my best friends, uh, his name's Johnny, and he's actually, if you watch YouTube stuff or, or watching things on my Instagram feed, um, him and I made a game table together for a competition 
we did the Maker collab um, on Instagram earlier this year. So many moons ago, uh, he was getting married. Okay. And him and his soon-to-be lovely wife were heading to Australia for six months. And he's a woodworker, a carpenter, all that kind of stuff. And he was living in Calgary. And he had like 70 board feet of red oak. Okay. Okay. And that was going to sit for like six months in an outdoor storage shed. And they're like, no, bring it to my shop. We'll put it in my shop. I'll just yep. hang on to it. And he said, oh, if you want to use it for something, use it for something. I'm like, no, I mean, it's yeah. yours. It's I'll a just lot of, store it. That's a lot, of, a lot of oak. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah. And uh, so they went to Australia for six months. And during that time, I'm like, well, their wedding's coming up when they get back. I should make them something. And he still played Nintendo. Awesome. Uh, specifically Bubble Bobble, which okay. was really funny because it's Bubble Bobble. Yeah. It's not Mario. It's no. just a little different. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to make him a Nintendo controller table. And I had it laid out in about a day. Really? But it was just like the cutout button sitting on top. It was just going to be a static table. Sure. And I looked at him like, it has to work. <laughs> like... It, it has to, if it doesn't work, I am just going to hear about it for the rest of my life. Like, oh, that's cool, but it doesn't work. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, at that time I was working, uh, working as a tech and stuff. And so it was about six months of evenings and weekends and just kind of figuring my way through and the like 3 a.m. epiphany waking up from a dream of this is how to make the D-pad work and rotate so that it actually <laughs> functions. and. Yeah, I was able to put this table together and so yeah, it's full coffee table size with a glass top on it. So you can lift that up, open a little door at the back, plug it into the Nintendo and play Nintendo on the coffee table, which it sounds easy. Maybe uh, not to me, man. Not to me. I'm it's, looking at that going, you're making heavy pieces of wood be a controller how does that work yeah. you know what i mean so i it's not like it was plastic or something like that where you're dealing with stuff that's light you're dealing with fairly heavy objects that now have to move in a very delicate fashion yeah there uh there's definitely some really heavy duty switches in there and you can kind of pound on it which is which is nice um but the when you're actually playing it the weirdest thing it is incredibly hard oh yeah like like the timing on everything is different. I was just um, crashing at his house up in Edmonton a couple of weeks ago and did a whole bunch of filming and <laughs> tried to beat Mario. Oh my God, did I try to beat Mario <laughs> and just hours and hours and hours of playing later. And I'm just, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't even get to the final castle. I'm just like, this is, this nice. is tough. Um, but so much fun because yeah. playing like Tetris Ooh. With two people. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Like one one controlling your left and right, one orientating uh -huh. and dropping dropping the bricks and stuff. Like it's either going to make or break friendships. Yes, no question. No question. <laughs> and I think that's the best part about it is it's just... See, that would be the best great, marriage so. counselor advice. Go go play that for four hours and see if you can make it before you, before you go get right? married. If you, can, if you can make that work, you're golden. You're golden. You're good to go. So, <laughs> so yeah. So that one was uh, it was one of those projects where it was so many years ago before Instagram or before I was on Instagram. I've only been on Instagram for like two years, nice. but uh, before taking pictures, before taking video of all that kind of stuff. So it was really it was really kind of cool just getting to go and 
see it again and spend hours playing and making sure that it still worked after almost 10 years, which was kind of wild. And now I really want to make another one. Nice. That's got to be hard. I mean, playing with that, it's got to be big because scale wise, your arms are spread out using that thing. So it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're playing a four foot wide controller, right? Yeah. And, uh, and especially with, with the two buttons on, on the one side, like playing Mario. And if you're playing on a normal controller, you like hold down the run button and then you hit the, hit the (laughs) jump with your thumb and it's all great. Trying to do that with your palm spread across those two buttons. Oh, it's, it's a trick. I mean, these, these buttons appear to be at least scale wise looking over on your, on your YouTube or your actually on your website. It looks like to me that they're like dinner plate size almost or minimum small dinner plate size buttons. Yeah. I think, uh, I think they're about three and a half inches across something like that. Like it's enough that with, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, like I wear a large size glove so I can like, you know, push down on the one and kind of hit the other one, but it's. It's got to work. Tiring. That's awesome. You know, it, uh, it puts your skills to the test and it's so much fun. So now you got to step it up a notch and go into like some of the new Xbox controllers or something and even get crazier. Oh, right. I know. <laughs> I, uh, I had the thought I'm going N64. That would be tough. That's not happening. No, no. <laughs> There's too many buttons on these newer ones, right? You yeah. know, you got the triggers on both sides or whatever. There'd be no way to do it. The old school is a little easier to be able to plan it out because at least everything's on the top surface. Exactly. I mean, and the, uh, the nostalgia about it, like walking in and just seeing, seeing that, seeing the, you know, original NES just brings everybody back to their childhood. No kidding. The fact that the unfortunate that so many of them have disappeared over the years, right? Like they've just gone. I mean, we, yeah, we, we had one growing up and got an N64 and then it's like, oh, well, we should just give this to your cousin. You don't, you're not going to play it anymore. Talk about poor life choices. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've got some game forever. systems like that that I'm like, oh, I wish we still had that because, uh, again, it just gets upgraded and upgraded and upgraded like an old phone. It's gone forever. And then you look back and go, wish I still had that. Yeah. So that's yeah, awesome, so. man. Well, that's cool. Well, dude, you are doing some amazing stuff out there. I love, we'll get back into woodworking in a minute. Your leather work is trick. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Leather is, leather's a fun medium. It's, uh, Strangely enough, the first time that I ever used a sewing machine ever was to make a leather jacket. Oh, let's start out with something easy. You know, let's let's not make a shirt or anything <laughs> like that or like a little pouch. Or no, straight to leather work, like straight into recreating a jacket that I saw in a movie kind of thing it never made a pattern had never worked with leather had never done any of this but yeah let's let's do that let's make that happen because why not um that's that's kind of the way that i do things i just try i just want to want to try i want to see i want to experiment and you know let's let's figure it out and do it and and make it happen and we're going to make a mistake and that's okay too because you're going to learn from it and maybe hopefully the next one's going to be better. That's real though, man. I mean, that's the thing, you know, I watch on so many different channels out there and you'll watch it and everything goes perfect. Everything isn't real. And that's one thing I do like that you get on there and you're real about this stuff because that's the way the world works. You're, I love your realism with that because it, it makes sense to me. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, I feel I feel that way too. It's just the ability to be you, mm-hmm. to do the things you're passionate about, to show off what you can do and what you can make, but all of the mistakes along the way, because they happen to everybody. Every single um, person. There's a one of my uh, one of my friends here in Calgary. Uh, he owns a an amazing shop and has like a CNC and all this that he lets me Ooh. go and go and use when I'm so thankful for that. Yeah. Um, his name's Troy. He's awesome. And he, he showed me this design desk that he made, like one of the, um, like the tilted top, um, drafting. Desks. Okay. I was going to say just like a drafting desk. I used to, when I started kitchen design, that was my first home improvement real career that I really jumped into. It was back mm-hmm. in the drafting days before the, AutoCAD was really taken off. So I had this massive <laughs> drafting desk that took up half my office. But yes, I get it. Yeah. And uh, he showed me this thing and walked into his office and I saw him like, oh, like this is gorgeous. Like all hand cut, like I think it was Ooh. walnut or maple, like wow. just gorgeous. And I'm standing there in awe. And he's like, do you want to see where I screwed it up? Do you want to see where I made the mistake? I'm like, oh, no, no. Like, don't show me. You're ruining it. But yep. Yeah, I kind of want to see where you screwed up because that's the first thing we all want to do as as woodworkers mm-hmm. and makers when we're talking to each other. Um, because we know where we made a mistake. We see that that mistake and that flaw every single time, even if it's a millimeter wide, mm-hmm. no one else is going to see that. But we have this intrinsic nature that we want to talk about it to at least the people who are in that trade or in that profession that kind of know um, it's not perfect. But what is perfect these days, right? especially if it's handmade? It shouldn't be because otherwise it just looks like it was cranked out on another CNC machine and was finished by a robot and went down the list. I mean, and you know, mm-hmm. the list of things to get it out the door. I do love that honesty of that real stuff like that. I mean, that's – and it's like the scratch on your car, right? If you have mm-hmm. a brand new car and you get one little tiny scratch on it, you know where that scratch is. Every time you walk up to the car, you see that little scratch and every one of your buddies comes up and goes, that is the most perfect car. It's beautiful. Oh my gosh, it's gorgeous. And you're like, but yeah, but look at this over here. Yeah. And it's just how yeah. it goes. And it's, but I think that and we all do it. We do every single one of us, but that's also part of the learning process too, because that mistake is something that we either didn't plan for, or it was something where we, we misjudged or it just didn't turn out exactly how we were trying to make it. And we made it work. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of this is it's not production work, man. It's all just trying to create something cool. And there's always a little bit of a learning curve to anything you do the first time. Well, exactly. And, and I think that that's, that needs to be talked about more. It needs to be presented more that it doesn't matter if you're 20 years in the trade. Yep. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, a, a master electrician. Well, hopefully they're not making mistakes. Um, well, but, sometimes it's you know. their mistakes are, oh, I could have done that a little prettier. Like it's sure. not just, I mean, it all meets code, but I could have bent that wire just a little bit better in the electrical box or something yeah. like that. You know, that's the stuff that you usually see with them. For sure. That's the art uh, of that. Yeah. And it's, it's all about that learning experience. We're all, we're all learning. We're all growing. We're all trying new things and we should be trying new things. The, um, I had like going uh, going back to meeting you in Portland and being down there with Keen. I, I had three massively new experiences 
for me when I was down there. You had two of those three where we got to build boots and we got to go forging yeah. and make awesome pry bars. I also got to meet up with a friend and learn pottery. How cool is that? And it was it was wild. Like I landed on Wednesday and she came and picked me up at the hotel and we went for lunch and then she took me to her studio, which is a shed in her backyard. And Perfect. She she showed me how to do pottery and it was just an amazing experience. It was something I'd never done before, mm-hmm. something I'd never thought about trying. And it was so much fun. Wildly inappropriate for, <laughs> you know, a lot of the the innuendos and things oh, yeah. that you can go and see on my YouTube channel oh, yeah. if you know you you want wildly inappropriate content. But a fantastic experience for learning something new and did i do well no (laughs) No. it's a new medium man it's a new medium and there's there's something there's something crazy to that i i've watched it i mean i've seen the movie ghost i get it but it's you know Mm -hmm. it's crazy it's i I appreciate that it i almost put it in the same world as glass blowing in that art glass blowing is wild those people, they are wizards. Oh, yeah. My, uh, my mom does some glass blowing. Um, I know that, I mean, people can't can't see it, but. Oh, pretty. She does some some glass blowing and things. And I'm just, I, I'm amazed and mesmerized by, by it. Um, and even just how they have it on the, like the piece of glass on the metal stick. And they're just like, oh, tap, tap, tap. Oh, it broke exactly where I wanted it to. I'm like. I can't comprehend how yeah. that works. See, I, so my brain doesn't get it. I got so lucky being in the Pacific Northwest because when I lived in Tacoma, I got to work around the circle of Dale Chihuly's workers. So he is kind of the master of all glass. You know, you walk into any casino mm-hmm. and you got the $10 million exhibit of his work. And in the 2000s, we were making glass vessel sinks you know, for your vanity, for instance. And I was working with some guys that were amazing. I mean, we were making these big, huge, like blow up beach ball size bubbles of glass and they would start on. So if I was trying to think of that, yeah, it's like a big, almost like a medicine ball that you'd work out with. So we would do it like that. And you'd have one color on half of it, the other color on the other half And then we would control collapse that in on each other and create a sink that had a different color glass on the inside than the outside. I, 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 how? I I don't get it. It's amazing. It's, it's incredible. Like I'd love to do that one day. Um, who knows? Maybe maybe the awesome people at Keen might want to do some glass blowing if there's another Portland thing next year that they choose to um, invite me to, which would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah, it's another one of those (laughs) mediums that I just look at it and and like like many things like that, I go, how did you do that? And it's just, I've watched it. I know how the process works, but I don't have the skills yet to be able to go in and do that. And I understand how hard it is, but uh, yeah, it's It's, crazy. It's so cool. Well, and and that ability of learning a new thing, a new skill, a new technique, um, putting another tool in the toolbox that you have have for later, like it doesn't matter if it's something that you only use five years from now, like, you know, welding um, or forging or 
I mean, let's dive into forging for a second. That was a lot of fun. And oh my God, I love working with metal. So in high school, college, and even growing up, I did a lot of hot rod auto body type work. So I've painted my own cars. I've built custom vehicles. So I've worked with sheet metal, but that was really the first time that I've really gotten to work, you know, with a power hammer and really sit there and work a piece of iron in that way, I just, I got back into it and I was having the best time of my life working that thing. It was awesome. That was incredible. Uh, I, I've watched, I watch a few different blacksmiths on YouTube mm-hmm. and, and just see them do their thing and yeah, use these power hammers and make these amazing, um, whether it's knives or tools or whatever. And that experience of getting to go there and actually step on that power hammer and pound out that, that pry bar was just incredible and that little induction heater that they had that was like was, magic right was wild that was sorcery on a whole other level just to you know to describe that just, to our listeners yeah mm-hmm. basically it was a they used induction like you would use induction cooking for instance and so there's a wire going through there and i tell you what they're heating up those iron particles and you put that piece of iron in there and in seconds, that thing is glowing hot red. And it was shocking how much po- power you could put in and heat you could put into a piece of metal that quickly. Well, and the fact that it's cool to the touch, like as it's running, you can touch it because it's it's induction. It's using magnets. It's just exactly. bouncing those particles around so fast. And uh, that's one of those things that I think is great about new tools and technologies and methods. And you don't always need to have the best tool. If you have some skill behind it, but sometimes that tool will help bring you to the next level. There we go. And, you know, save time or save resources or energy. And I know with me, I've always been the worst at upgrading tools. (laughs) I, I will work for years thinking I should buy a track saw. Yep. And never buy a track saw until a project comes around where I'm like, I should finally do this. You, I still don't have have a track saw. Oh, they're, they're amazing. They are. I have plenty of friends that have them. I just (laughs) haven't used one enough to need a track saw. Do I want and need a track saw? Yeah. Have I upgraded to that? I'm in the same boat you are, man. Yeah. Until you get the track saw. Then you're like, this is (laughs) life-changing. And why haven't I had this for years? Absolutely. I was cheap and didn't need it yet. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard, you know, those things take up space in the shop and it's, it's -hmm. like anything else, you know, it's, but once you have it, you just regret not getting it sooner. It's true. And I think the thing with that too is, would you appreciate it as much if you got it right away? No, of course not. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that I like. like, I've had, I've had folks who, um, who see my see my shop hidden behind a secret door because my shop's hidden behind a secret door, but nice uh, where they see they see some of the tools that I use and some of the tools that I have and and I've gotten some hate for it just being like oh well you're using this brand as opposed to that brand and I'm like well it's not about the brand no I I really don't overly care what's on the side and what color that tool is does it work yeah. And, and does it work for my price point or my budget to make the things that I want to make? I mean, sure, we could all have the, 
you know, Milwaukee and Festool and Merca and all of these amazing brands that do make amazing oh, tools. Yeah. Do we all need those? Not even close. Not necessarily. No. Especially if you're a homeowner. I mean, you yes. you are not sitting there putting that high-end tool through the paces like somebody out there that is using that every single day. Um, yeah. There are plenty of brands out there that um, will get the job done for you. Exactly. And, and even for somebody like me, like I, this is my profession. This is what I do. And I jump between woodworking and leather work and other kind of stuff. And we should talk about leather again. Yeah. But um, I, I can go weeks without actually cutting a piece of wood in the shop. Mm -hmm. And then I can go a week solid of running a table saw eight hours a day. Exactly. And like, it's that, it's that trade-off. It's very different than a commercial shop what a lot of homeowners and DIYers and makers are are experiencing. And you just always have to find that that need for for you. Yeah. And is it going to work for you? Um, one of the one of the things that one of my friends told me and kind of stuck with me was when you need a new tool, buy the cheapest one of those tools. See how much you use it. There you go. And it's one of those things where if you're using it every day and you wear it out and you break it because you've used it so much, then go buy the really expensive one. Exactly. Because you know it's worth it. Um, like, do you need an $800 sander because it's a sander? Um, or is the $50 one, you know, going to get you through and maybe just spend a little more time doing it? Yeah. Um, I know there's the other side of the viewpoint on that, where it's the, if you need a tool, go get the best one. And then, you know, buy once, cry once yeah. you've spent your money one time and it will outlast you hopefully, but we can't always do that with the way things are these days with how expensive everything is. Yeah, exactly. I've got a lot of tools that I, that are around here that I've got that are, I've used two or three times. Will I use them again? Sure. But has, have they been sitting in that box for, in that case for six months or nine months since I've touched it. Absolutely. Probably my yep. neighbor will use it before I do next time. Cause he'll come over and go, Hey, can I borrow a tool? Sure. I got it right here. Yep. But oh, exactly. I had uh, a, a friend of mine who has had a laser engraver for 10 years. Wow. It was sitting at his office. He used it maybe twice in the first year that he had it. It's literally just been sitting collecting dust. Wow. I um, stole it from there him. The other week and I have it up and running now and I'm using it. Perfect. Like it just sat there forever and, and now we're using it. We're putting it through its paces. We got it all up and going and calibrated and running. And now it's my new toy that I get to play with and, and make some stuff with. And it's, uh, you know, for him, it was a paperweight. Yeah. No need. It was just taking up space. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to circle back around to leather cause we mm -hmm. brushed over, but we didn't dive into that. What was what was it like working with that material in that it's such a different medium than wood and a lot of the other things that you've worked with in the past? I immediately fell in love with leather. Okay. It was it was great. Like it's a difficult material to work with for sure. Sure. It is a stressful material to work with because if you make that cut, it's cut. Yep. If you I mean it's like fabric that way, but it is so much more expensive. Yes. Um, and even with sewing, like, you know, you're sewing that stitching line. If you make that line wrong um, 
and you need to rip out those stitches, you will see those puncture marks in that leather forever. So you hope that you do it right the first time. Not like fabric where sometimes you can get away with that. Exactly. Where some, yeah, the fabric kind of close itself around the stitches. You're not putting a hole physically through it. You're opening the fibers around the needle. Um, But yeah, like the first project I did was a, was a leather jacket that I actually saw in um, Snow White and the Huntsman. There we go. So watching that movie, uh, it wasn't Chris Helmsworth's character. It was the other main, main lead gentleman. I can't remember his name, but he had this like knee length leather jacket with like this cross, um, cross stitching on it. And it was gorgeous. Nice. Of course, you can't find that to buy anywhere. Of course that not. Doesn't exist. That was a one-off prop, right? Absolutely. So I'm like, well, I'll buy that movie. I'll hit pause. I'll sketch out a design. I'll make this jacket and and made it happen. And it was hard. I can imagine. <laughs> it was wildly hard. And it came out semi-okay. Um, nice. You know, it, it's in my closet. It's... It's well, hold on. Okay. Let me reach around a corner. See if you uh, no, can it's grab not it. There. No. Nope. Okay. No, it's in the other it's in the other closet. I'll there show you, you later. All right. Um but yeah, like that really got me into leather work and then like some of the stuff on my website, um like I like to do cosplay as mm-hmm. well and go to uh, go to the conventions and like a lot of people know me for some of that that work that I do. Um like I did a um, Witcher, um, cosplay armor, armor set, full leather, full chain mail. Wow. Um, from the Witcher three video games. So the care more in our armor, um, from those games, um, and the Raven vest from Ragnar, um, Lothbrook in Vikings. That is amazing. By the way, dude, that thing, I saw that on your website and was like, that is epic as far as the work that it took to do that and just the planning of that because there's so many layers to that there's a lot of weaving so it uh that one started off with a lot of spinning chain to Mm -hmm. make chain mail and then weaving i don't even know how many meters of um like i used calf lace okay through through those links um it was about a six to eight inch um, section okay. of that would take five or six hours. Oh, dude. Like, I think I have about 60 hours plus of time just in the vest Yeah, for that. Um, at the best, the best day that happened while I was making that, mm-hmm. I was having a good day. I was like five hours in, I had vikings on in the background i was just all in this thing and then i realized i forgot to put in one of the um like appendix um pieces and i had to rip out it was about four hours of work because you couldn't just slide it you had it was it's like knitting where you need to unravel everything you've done so that you could put it back together and that was uh, that was a sad day. Brutal, brutal. Yeah, but it happens, and that's yeah. the thing. It happens. You say some very bad words, sure, and then you decide if it's worth it, and if you're going to fix it, if you're going to walk away, 
and hopefully you fix it and just get to it yeah and just absolutely cry and (laughs) and get on with it to to make it happen doing stuff for movies like that and uh putting that stuff together i know it'd be a lot of pressure and it's always last minute but man that would be you've got the skill to tackle that thank you that would be that would be amazing like that would be that would be great i i definitely go through phases with with the different work that i do too which i think is something that uh is rather rather enjoyable for me where i'll spend months working in the wood shop and making mm-hmm. making a table and making you know long boards or making lamps and doing all that stuff and and then i'll spend a lot of time in the leather studio and working with leather and making a different armor piece or a cosplay piece or something like that. And I just, I I love it. I love the variety of it to be able to flip between, between mediums and really just have that, that experience. Yeah. Let's dive into your bookcases, man. You've been knocking Mm -hmm. those out and those are pretty cool. The hidden room bookcases. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a like a happy little accident that kind of mm-hmm. happened uh, with the first one when I was uh, doing some finishing work on my basement because my shop is in my basement. Yeah, which is always I, tough, man. It's tough to have your shop in your basement, but in your situation, that's how it works. That's how it is. I mean, I live in Calgary. I have a garage, mm-hmm. but I'm not working in the garage in minus forty. No and way. I mean, minus 40 is the same in Celsius and Fahrenheit. It's cold. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so, it's, there's no fun in that. Your car doesn't want to start. No. Your tools don't want to work. And uh, no. neither does your body. No. So huge props to anybody that's working out in their garages in the winter, wherever where you live, if there's especially snow on the ground, because I am... I'm a wimp and that's not happening. So um, I was, I was lucky enough to have a house where I could put the shop in one half of the basement and then I could put my leather studio and like my clean shop in the other half of the basement. Nice. So I, I'm very fortunate with that. But when I was finishing up the one wall, um, there's an opportunity to put in a, to put in the bookcase and if you can put in a bookcase, why not make it on wheels and make it a hidden bookcase that can, you know, be a be a door into your shop? Like it's yeah. unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, um, it is the second way into my shop. Good. So I do have a normal door that a lot of people don't know about, or sometimes they see it and they question it. And then there's the, well, why do you have a hidden bookcase if you have a normal door? I'm like, well, because it's a hidden bookcase and it's cool. Yeah, of course. Because everybody wants a hidden bookcase. Yeah. Um, but the nice thing with the bookcase door is it is um, wider and taller than the normal man door. Nice. So that actually gives me the ability for bigger projects, larger, larger things to go straight in and out of in and out of that door, which um, which is really nice. I haven't had to use it much, but in those couple of times, it has been it's been very, very good to have. Nice. Do you have any limitations and, with that shop being downstairs, trying to get materials in and out? I mean, that's always, you know, basements can be tough for that, trying to get stuff in and out of the shop. That is always, always kind of the question that I get is how do you get stuff in and out? And I have, I have no problems. I haven't come across anything to date that I have had an issue with. And a lot of the stuff that's coming in, um, like even full sheet goods, mm-hmm. like it's just, straight down the stairs and 
one wall is kind of notched out and missing. So it's just kind of a move and a pivot and a twist and straighten the shop. So perfect. I mean, if there's anything that's too big, then it will just get done in the garage or outside. Sure. And, um, but a lot of the stuff that I'm making um, as of yet, it's not, we're not talking a 30 foot conference table. Correct. We're I was going to say your scale works well with what your, what your yeah. abilities are there with the shop at least. Yeah, like I've done, I've done a couple of dining room tables. Okay. Um, so those have been like eight or 10 person dining room tables. The game table that we made uh, can fit eight to 10 people around it. And wow, it is, it is a beast. Yeah. It, I don't know. I can barely push it around without sliding around the basement myself. Wow. It is so heavy. A um, little overbuilt, but yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Um, but yeah, like even the, I think the biggest project that I made that was the trickiest one is I made um, African Paduk um, okay. countertops for my kitchen. Nice. So the one big like L piece that I think it's 10 feet long mm-hmm. and then about a four foot, four foot section as one big piece that, that was tricky. I was going to say that's um, tough, man. Yeah. So especially got that made. Had to bring it upstairs to scribe and test fit. Oh. Then back downstairs oh. to um, cut out to the scribe lines and then finish and then bring it back up, hoping because I only wanted to do that twice. Exactly. Exactly. How did it turn out, by the way? What do, you, what do you think about that as a kitchen countertop? I love it. Okay. I love it. It is a five quarter uh, Paduke with a uh, sapwood edge. Ooh. So the like light. Um, almost birchy maple yeah. color sapwood is all um, facing out. Cool. So around the entire perimeter. And um, I've had it in for almost five years now. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's, 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 it's gone through the cycle, you know, of a kitchen. It's holding so. up like a champ. Nice. Um, in my last, the last place I lived, I put in walnut countertops mm-hmm. and those ones were really nice, but walnut was just a little soft. Yep. Um, so, you know, if you accidentally, you know, drop a, drop a glass or drop a something, you were getting some pretty good dents, but mm-hmm. Paduke's just so much harder. The only problem with Paduke is how it, um, changes color and oxidizes and oh, yeah. browns yeah. as the years go on. So I had had a, um, little, uh, valet catch all thing on the one countertop piece that gets an atrocious amount of sun through the window. Yep. And one day I'm like, okay, well, let's clean the countertops and pull that off. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh no. Yep. But you know, that's just that's just the way that that goes too. And it's it's wood. It's alive. It it moves. It changes color. And even the the brown color that the Paduke turns into is still a really pretty brown. Oh, yeah. It's almost a walnut in my mind, and it it's great. I love it. I use Paduke way more than I should. Nice. Well, funny thing with walnut is, is that uh, when it gets a lot of sun, it goes light, right? Mm. And that's what gets weird. Uh, it was funny. There was a a couple kitchens. I used to work at this kitchen, a bath place. It was pretty awesome. And I uh, won't say the name, but they had this showroom that was fairly out of date. That's why I was working there, helping them try to get it turned around. But they had this, it was a south-facing glass wall, and they had two kitchen displays in it. That <laughs> cherry was so bleached out. And it was just American cherry. I yeah. thought it was like birch or something. It was that light until I opened the door up and went, ah, 
that's cherry. And then the, and the same thing with the, uh, with the black walnut they had, it was gorgeous, except it was just looked like it had been bleached and it was just bleached out by the sun. And on the inside, it was beautiful, beautiful, brown, dark walnut. And then it was, it was destroyed. So light can be horrible on wood projects. Yeah, it, uh, it can be. And I mean, if you can get a good UV finish on top of that, Mm -hmm. it can definitely help. Um, but yeah, like the, the finish I used for my countertops was a general water-based finish. And I, I don't know, I swear by it. It's just nice. been been a go-to thing for me for about the last five years. And every time I'm looking for, for a new finish or new, a new, something new or different, and I just have a hard time finding something that that's better for um, wear resistance. Nice. That's just going to hold up over over time and i always like trying the new things but yeah sometimes the what, the fi- what finish are you using uh it is general finishes water-based varnish okay um it is wildly expensive it's like 70 dollars a quart yeah um and you usually i put on four or five coats sure and up until the third to fourth coat it looks like garbage and you just <laughs> stick with it and just gotta ride it out huh and then it just it almost turns to glass oh nice um, but hard enough to use on floors so oh. i did my um my basement stairs um earlier this year late last year and ended up using it on the stairs um nice so i just ended up it was really it was a uh, oak plywood okay. that I put down and stained and stuff and just made it look prettier than the, than the stairs were before. But I mean, a year of walking up and down those things and you can't even tell that it's. Wow. That is durable. Cause yeah, you're, you're walking up and down, maybe you got boots on, maybe you got something in your shoe. Yeah. I mean, th- that takes every bit of abuse and it's a plywood. So you don't have a big, huge piece of veneer on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so impressive. That's impressive. Definitely been, Definitely, but definitely was a good find and something that did take actually quite a few tests to figure out how to make it work right. I um, bet that was the that was the biggest problem. Found out you just need to put it on thick and quick, really fast. Roll it back one time, walk away. Just don't touch it. Oh, I was working on this commercial cabinet shop, and it was you know residential and light duty commercial stuff, and we had you know fifty employees in it, and we had some projects like that where. We had this uh, hotel wanted us to make this big, huge bar top, and it was, you know, raw lumber. So this was mm. like a three-inch thick slab of Douglas fir, raw edge, and they wanted a whole, you know, they wanted this to be the bar top because it was in this big lodge, and we had to put a bar top material over that thing. And we fought that thing so many times because all it would take is a couple bubbles here and there. The temperature wouldn't be right, and mm. I think we made that thing three times twice we had to strip it one time we had to start over and rebuild it we finally got it right but even in a commercial shop we were struggling just trying to keep that thing at that scale to be good just so it looked right well and even and sometimes scale isn't even the issue i i just made a gorgeous I, th- I think it's gorgeous because i made it and i have to because you know that's how that works <laughs> um but I made this this gorgeous um, coffee table for a friend of mine who's a tattoo artist, and she wanted this coffee table for her for her studio. And it was my first 
real time working with um, like thick set resin okay. and doing thick resin pours and doing like a flood coat for the top and trying to make that happen. I think I sanded that table back down to bare wood four or five times, tried another finish. No, sand it down. Try again. No, sand it down. And uh, when we were in, in Portland having, um, getting to meet Jess Crow. Yeah. Uh, She's Crow so Creek amazing. Design, and I'm just like, I just did a resin table. And I might never do one again because it was such a horrible experience. And product turned out great. Yep. But getting there was so hard. And she's like, just call me. I know. She's just like, she's just, an amazing human. I'll, I'll show you how to do it. And I'm just like, okay. Yeah. She's an amazing okay. human. I'm gonna, we're going to get her on here as well. I've been going back and forth with her on some project stuff that we're doing, but uh, she is definitely the epoxy queen out there. And uh, there is oh, yeah. nobody that's close. Oh, just absolutely incredible. And yeah, having, having someone like that to, to help, to teach just such a great person, just. But that's what I love about this community that you're in, that I'm in, um, and a lot of us out there, there is a group of a lot of great people out there in this community that have no problem helping somebody else out, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Oh, and go this way, do this. Oh, awesome. Thank you. And that's wonderful. It, it really is like, it is such a, such a great community. Even, um, um, Scott couch, uh, get off the couch design. Who's yep. again in Portland with us when I was trying to set up my laser, I didn't know what it was, but I saw on his feed, he's been doing some stuff with lasers. I sent him a picture. I'm just like, help. Yeah. And he's like, it is this kind of laser, use this kind of software, and you should be good. And a few hours later, and it was up and running. Right. And just just that outward desire and want and care to like, oh, yeah, this is just how you do it. Try this. Here's an idea. Here's a suggestion. And those are the things that really make me happy about this community and just how small and tight-knit it really is. Um, I find for the most part, everybody checks their ego at the door, right? Like it really is just, what can I help you with? And I mean, in my, in my small way, that's, that's one of my goals with the things that I'm doing on YouTube or just the, the stuff that I make and that I put out is this is how I'm doing it. I want to show you my process. I want to show you where I make mistakes. Um, and maybe you have a better way to do it. Maybe you have another idea or a suggestion or a question. And I love that. Like just getting those, those thoughts and opinions and questions and working through that process. I think that was the uh, earlier this year. So my friend Johnny and I, who I made the Nintendo table for, mm-hmm. um, we took part in the Maker Collab competition and built that game table. Yeah. And spending three months making a game table with him living three hours away in Edmonton and me living in Calgary and like having the weekly weekly meetings and updates and what pieces are working mm-hmm. and how that's going. Like that kind of conversation and collaboration and just talking through the process was just the best experience. I love that. Because really getting to work with with someone and I mean I've known him for I don't know how many how many years so that's a whole different thing than you know you know working with you and working with 
um, like with Sarah or with mm-hmm. Scott or with Jess or with anyone else who maybe you just met them and now you get to, you know, throw ideas around and, and figure out plans and how to just make stuff. Yeah. I hope this interview today that talking to you inspires people out there that are like, oh, I like playing around with this to dive in and 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 do what they want to do with this because you're a perfect example of how fast you dove into this and you know nine ten months into it man you're you're out there making waves and i love that yeah i think that's the biggest thing um and one thing that that i hear that i see sometimes in my comments or in private messages that i'm having conversations with people they're like i wish i could do that I wish I knew how to do that. Don't let that stop you. No. Like, try it. The worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to fail. But what have you learned from that failure? You know, it's... None of us were born with this skill of... None of us learned these projects that we were born and went, oh, yeah, we know how to do this automatically. Every single one of us had to learn to figure it out. And if all of us could figure it out, you can figure it out. It just, you have to go through the same steps the rest of us have to get to that point. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, You might get lucky on that first try and that first experience. Is that a good thing? Maybe. Is that a bad thing? Because you didn't necessarily learn that full process. Maybe in the long term, it could be a hindrance. I don't know. I love making mistakes. It infuriates me (laughs) and I die inside at the same time. But you learn so much more from your mistakes than you do from your successes. Absolutely. And that's, and that's the whole thing with like why the makers want to point out, this is where I made a mistake. This is where I messed up. It's partly reminding them, or at least for me, it reminds me, I am human. Mm -hmm. I made a mistake. This is part of the process. And maybe next time I won't make that mistake. Man, Perfect. And just learn and grow to, do the things that you love. Don't let the hope of, I want to do that. I wish I could do that. Stand in your way. Cause if you want it bad enough, you can find a way to do it. You always or you will, can find right? a resource or somebody to help you in that journey. Perfect. So what's next for you, man? I mean, you've been playing with so many different materials out there and, and having fun with it and, uh, you know, creating some beautiful stuff. Uh, what's the future look like? Um, I think the biggest thing right now is I have like three or four months of YouTube content backlog that I need to edit (laughs) (laughs) because that's one of my learning experiences is how to get faster in that process and get, get content out. And I feel bad because I don't always get to deliver a product and Hey, your video is ready right now. You can watch me do it the next day. It might take a few months. Yeah. Um, so I'm sorry for any of those people who have delivered stuff and made a video. You'll get it eventually. But um, I think that's one of the big things. And really, the the next big thing that I want to uh, that I want to do is actually just start playing around with the laser engraver mm-hmm. um, and making some making some products, making some things for my shop. Just seeing if uh, seeing what people are interested in. But the thing that I love doing really is is that custom work. Yeah. And somebody coming to me with an idea, with a concept, with a design, with a thought and and making it a reality and being able to actually make it make it into a thing, whether it be, you know, a I, I did a laser engraved uh, live edge walnut longboard 
for this woman down in in Vegas uh, with her company logo on it. Perfect kind of thing. Like got to do that. I get to make a um, uh, really a fancy growth chart for a friend of mine for her for her son and. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of wild because there's I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. There we go. I like that. And, Good, honest answer, and, man. Good, honest answer. I love it. And I like I like that, too. The other thing that I've been that I got to just finish up and been working on uh, was with an Alberta uh, Canadian company, but mm-hmm. kind of based out of Alberta for their their division um, called Skills Canada, Alberta, for making uh, projects for kids to use and all through the grades um, to learn about tools and trades and nice. how to use um, tools. So I did a design like a sliding top wood box for them to mm-hmm. put together and use a hammer for the first time and put together a box and like a leather pouch kit um, for kids to just use leather for the first time, cut leather, um, put in rivets, run mm-hmm. a stitching line and make like a little dice bag kind awesome. of thing, like a nine inch round leather pouch Um so working with them has been incredibly rewarding so far because they're getting the the future builders, the future makers into these programs um, to start trying leatherwork, to try woodworking, to try electronics, to try plumbing, like all of these different things that will help inspire that creativity and just grow this community even more. That's great. Cause that's one of the things down here in the States, at least that there are good programs, but I would say 70% of those wood shop, leather shop, metal shop classes have been taken out of the schools here and they were replaced by computer labs or any of that other stuff. And they use that Mm -hmm. space for something else, but uh, it's rare to find them. And when they do, they're well attended, but it's, it's something that, I think society we're creating some other problems down the road by not getting kids into using their hands and doing stuff for themselves. Absolutely. I was lucky enough that in junior high, I got into wood shop and my junior high school had wood shop and my senior high school had, had wood shop as well. Um, we also had a full, um, auto body shop. Yep. And Mine was yeah, over at the college, but we took it and I took after yeah. school, I was over doing auto body my junior and senior year. Same kind of thing. Our, ours was in the school. That's awesome. Like, so kids were bringing in their own cars and doing the brake work Oh yeah, and learning how to do it on their own car. And, you know, then there is us in the wood shop that were going and making, making all of our projects and doing all of our stuff. And I think it is such a detriment to the the youth that is coming up to not have the shop classes, the art classes, the cooking classes, you know, drama, all of those mm-hmm. um, performing arts and skilled trades and all that stuff that they can they can find and do because not everybody wants to be a corporate drone. Right. I was there. I lived that <laughs> life. And oh man, is it not for me? Yeah. I, I lived in that life too. And I was just like, nope. I wore the suit and tie and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, nope, not doing this again. That was not, that was not fun for me. And I love what I do, but at the same point I go back and go, man, I, I at least had those classes nowadays. um, You know, it's rare. We've got some cool programs in my area here, but they're, they're fairly rare still. So again, I think we need Mm -hmm. to be growing that much more. And I love that you're helping out those kids. You and I were talking about that program a little bit. I think standing out outside of the elevator one late, 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 late yeah. one night. But uh, 
That's very cool. And, and hey, people can get a hold of you if they've got their own program, right? Yeah. I mean, you can help with that. The, I mean, the best thing about those programs and uh, working with skills is they just they need the people to to make the thing, to come up with the idea for the project to spend 40 hours cutting plywood to make multiple hundreds of kits. Um, I don't know. I love doing that stuff yeah. for, for a few different reasons. Like I love the fact of getting to make something for somebody to put together themselves so that they can experience building a thing and having a thing at the end of the day to call their own. But also just the, that Zen kind of atmosphere of knowing I'm just going to make 2000 passes on the table saw today. And you know, you can just kind of go into some some muscle memory, but some safe muscle memory where yeah. you're still dealing with a saw, but you can just kind of turn off a lot of parts of your brain and just really, you know, go into an almost meditative state of I'm just I'm doing this and everything is just calm and relaxed and you just you just work. Yeah. yeah. Without needing to solve a problem, um, which is a fun thing to do, too, is to solve problems, and come up with solutions but that takes a whole lot of different brain power and versus can just tiring. building versus just building. versus just building. Yeah. Yeah. We're running out of time, brother. What is Uh-oh. the best way for people to track you down out there? Uh, there's a few, a few good ways. Um, Instagram is probably my biggest, uh, my biggest thing. And I'm most active over there. So mm-hmm. it's human made. So H E W M A N. M-A-D-E, because I am a different kind of human. <laughs> um, also, my, my YouTube channel by the same name, mm-hmm. so Human Made, um, and my website. So again, humanmade.ca <laughs> or .com. I'm just, I'm human made everywhere. Nice. Um, I'm on TikTok as well. TikTok is usually some of the same stuff that comes out on Instagram. Um, but yeah, send me a message. I'm actually really responsive to people on, on Instagram, or you can email me all the contact information, all that stuff is in all of those different, different places. And yeah, who knows? Love to make something for you. Absolutely. All right, guys, you got to follow him. Make sure you head over there to those social media channels and grab him. Thanks for coming on today, brother. Is there something we didn't cover today? Oh, so many things. You have to have me back. Perfect. I mean, that's just, Let's do it. That's just how it is. So <sighs> So Um, much more new stuff. We'll talk laser engraving. We'll talk some new stuff. Thanks again, brother. We'll do it next time for (laughs) sure. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I'm Eric G. And you've been listening to Around the House. Somewhere unseen and undiscovered anywhere beyond the mean. Thanks again for listening to Around the House. If you'd like to support the show, maybe buy me a coffee, a cocktail, a beer, or just leave a tip. Head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash ATH Eric G. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash ATH Eric G. And the link is in the show notes. And thank you for being a part of Around the House. Love is a love song. Let's be lovers. We're all over the radio. Take my hand, I know where to go. All over the radio with you. 
Hey, it's Eric G from around the house. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.